Noche Galactica, episode 25, My Story. In this episode, Poeta Galactico shares his upbringings, living in two countries, and surviving the American dream. I'm Poeta Galactico, and this is my story. I was born in Uruapan, Michoacán, Mexico, in 1989. My dad was a mechanic at the time, and my mom was a housewife. Um, she spent a lot of time with us. Uh, I'm the youngest of three. I have a brother and a sister. Um, and I have nothing but really like beautiful memories of my childhood uh, growing up in Michoacán. Um, we travel around Michoacán a lot. Um, we would move to place to place. Uh, like I said, I was born in Urapa, Michoacán, but we also spent a lot of time living in the city of Lázaro Cárdenas, Michoacán. Uh, we also live in Apaxingán, Michoacán, and Morelia, Michoacán. Um, again, there was, there was great memories, um, but maybe when my dad came to the States, it, that was kind of like a painful piece. Uh, just because at the age of seven, seven my dad came for the first time um his intention wasn't was not to stay in the country um he wanted to come back to mexico and open his own mechanic shop um and that was that was what i remember as a, as a seven-year-old my mom telling me that he's gonna come back um and he's gonna have his own shop and we're gonna have a house and and kind of have the whole the whole dream right um that didn't work out i want to say that a year into my dad being in the states um my mom started to get a little impatient because um, she wanted to be with her husband and, and she definitely wanted to have her kids around her dad um during the the time my dad wasn't around we we went through a lot of pain not just um like family pain but we also saw a lot of a lot of violence in, in, the, in the state of Michoacan. Um, I remember me being seven and um, we used to live in, in the city of Morelia, Michoacan. And um, there was a, I remember a girl went missing. She was a, a class, she was in the same class I was in, in kindergarten, um, or elementary, uh, one of the two. Um, and I remember that she went missing. Um, and I mean, a couple days later, uh, maybe three, four days later, um, we we saw her. Uh, we found the girl, uh, and by saying we was the whole community found the girl. Uh, the girl was um, was dead outside the apartment complex. Um, and just kind of to backtrack a little, um, when we were in Morelia, Michoacan, we we used to live in some apartment complex. Um, it was uh, apartments that went all the way up to the, I believe has like six, seven floors. Um, and we were on the second floor. Um, and one morning, I, I recall that like super clear and a lot of pain. I remember that um, my mom went outside to throw the trash. And when she comes out, she sees the girl laying down on the floor um, with like, she's, it looked like she had jump from the sixth floor but um rapidly we after the police investigation they found out that the girl was kidnapped um and hold um hostage for for those days um and the person that was holding her hostage was the the neighbor that lived right below us um so that was super painful 
because I, I like we knew the girl. She was a girl that, you know, I, I would go to school and I would see her around. And when she went missing, she um, she disappeared. And then eventually I I go outside when my mom was throwing out the trash and then I see her laying down on the floor and, and she was dead. Um, it was super painful and super scary because the guy who kidnapped her, raped her, was living below us. Um, yeah, so that was the part that that caused a lot of pain, and I feel like created a lot of uncertainty in, in not just my mom, but everybody else that that was living there. Um, my mom, uh, after maybe two weeks, we end up moving to a different different city. Um, we went to live with her sister in Apaxigan, Michoacan, and we were living there for maybe about six months. Um, right after that, my dad had a conversation with my mom and, and, and told her that um, I think he was planning for everybody to to come to the to the American to the American to the United States of America. Um, my mom told us, told my brother and I that we were coming to see my dad. My sister was already of age and she was working. She was kind of starting her career and she kind of wanted to stay, take behind. Um, so it, it was like around September um, when, when we came, when we started our journey to the U.S., um, I remember taking a bus from Apaxigan, Michoacan to uh, the state of Tijuana. Um, we took a bus, it was about three or four days. Uh, we were on the bus, uh, we would transfer buses. Um, I remember the first transfer was in um, in Sinaloa, Los Mochis, that's where we transferred. And then we transferred again when we got closer to the border. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the experience traveling on the bus from the state of Michoacan all the way to the border. Um, when we were on the bus, it's, it was a like a regular bus, like a Greyhound bus. Uh, so it was a passenger bus. Uh, it was my brother, my mom, uh, and two other friends that were coming to the U.S. at the time. Uh, I was sitting with my mom the whole time. And um, when we were on the bus, like I remember seeing a, a, a group of young like young adults maybe early 20s males like sitting all the way in the back of the bus um and they were on the same same bus the whole time even when we transferred they were on the same bus um but every time we would we would get stopped by because there was checkpoints and never stayed by the uh, by the army of mexico um the the guys always looked a little bit nervous um came to find out like in the last checkpoint, um, the guys had put um, pounds of cocaine inside the AC compartment of the bus. Um, and that's the reason why we had to transfer uh, one more time in, like, near the border. I remember transferring in Nogales. That's where we transferred. Um, and we were sitting in at the bus stop um, really late at night. Uh, in the middle of nowhere and it was just my mom my brother and myself um i want to give a shout out to my mom though because she's like the strongest person i know um having two kids in the middle of nowhere in like the state that she doesn't know 
that takes a lot of balls. <laughs> but yeah, she, we were at, we were at the bus stop. Um, she she was always like ready to go. She was like, as soon as the bus gets here, we're gonna jump in another one, and and kind of just dismiss that we were on a bus that was carrying pounds of cocaine. Right, that was not her her main like interest or like struggle. Like she was thinking, I'm I'm gonna get you guys to the U.S. Uh, of course, we would like contact my dad the whole time. Like my dad was kind of like the mastermind, and my mom was like, we gonna get there. So we end up getting to Nogales, um, and when we get to Nogales, we we transfer on a bus uh, late at night. And then we, we took a bus to, to Tijuana. When we arrived to Tijuana, I remember uh, when we were getting off the bus um, at the bus station, there was like about 10 people asking back to back if we were going to the other side. Um, the other side is the, the US. Um, and they kept asking my mom, like, look, I can take, I can take you guys. They kept coming to her. They kept saying, I know you guys are not from here, not from the state. I know you guys are going to the other side. I can take you there. And my mom was like, no, we are here to visit someone, even though that was the plan. The plan was to get to the U.S. Um, so my dad had contacted someone that was going to take us to to America, to the United States. Um, and that person uh, arrived to the, to the bus station in Tijuana. Um, and he took us to a hotel. Um, he told my mom, you guys are going to be in this hotel for maybe a day or a day and a half. And please don't go out. Please don't make a lot of noise. Um, you got to, if people ask you why you're here, you got to say that you are here to visit someone. Um, and of course, my mom followed the instructions to the team. Um, she would not let us go out. We will stay in there. Uh, we would eat from like the mini bar. Um, we were trying to stay low key and not, not let anybody know what was about to happen. Um, eventually the guy arrived um, the second day at night and he told my mom we are gonna go to, to the other side. Tonight is the night we're gonna cross the border. Um, I remember him asking to leave all our backpacks and clothes or any extra stuff that that we were carrying on the way to the border. He's like, there's no there's no point of you guys carrying your bags because you like you're gonna be running and it's just gonna hold you back. So leave them here. So all our curls and belongings we left them with the with this guy. This guy is called the Coyote, which is the person that's in charge of bringing you to the to the other side. Um, again, we were shocked because, like me, at the age I was, I was ten. Uh, I remember thinking that I was gonna come to a new country, a country where my dad had been working for quite a while, and and I was wearing new shoes. You know, <laughs> like that was my thing. Um, I was wearing these shoes and I was like, I, I gotta wear these shoes because I gotta look good. Like I'm gonna meet my dad again. I'm gonna see him. And I remember that the, the this person, the Coyote, said, you know what? Wear some old shoes because uh, new shoes they leave like fresh tracks. And the you know the the immigration is is gonna know that we are walking through different spaces and they're gonna follow us. So. I had to leave my brand new shoes with them and and I put up some old shoes that were ripped 
Um, and those are the shoes that I wear to cross the border. Um, later that night, a van came by and picked us up and took us to a very, uh, it was like a gated community that was against the the border. So as soon as we drive into the gated community, we got dropped off at different locations. Um, my mom got dropped off somewhere with my brother and I got dropped off somewhere else with, with the friend that was with us. Um, and then we all kind of like walk different ways just to kind of not create a lot of attention and then we met right against the border like i saw the wall right in front of me um and and by saying i saw the wall it was literally like a fence um it was not like this wall of concrete nothing it was just like a fence um but the fence had a lot of holes and and as soon as we got there the the coyote the lead guy told us to just go under it and as soon as we go under it to start running the fastest we could to get to the other side um when we went under the uh, the fence we never knew <laughs> this is the, this is the part to this point I, I don't know how it happened we never knew that right against the other side of the fence there was a airplane like landing strip where airplanes would like land <laughs> and and I'm talking small airplanes that were like planes that would fumigate like, you know, areas and, and farms. So as soon as we cross and we start running, we see this airplane coming down. We all got so scared. So we started going back. Um, we didn't go back to the Mexico side, but we, we went against the fence until the plane landed. And then we started running again. Uh, we, we ran for maybe... I want to say 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like nonstop running. He said, you the, the lead guy was like, you see the light at the end over there? Run all the way over there, all the way over there. Make sure you don't look back. Um, and at first I was really scared because my mom was behind me and I was the fr- like the one in front. Like I'm 10. Uh, I was pretty fast. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good runner. So I was running so fast, but I kept looking back because I didn't want to leave no one behind. Um, which, you know, it's, to this point, I feel like that's 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 one of my biggest values. Like, I want to leave no one behind. Um, but uh, so we got to the to the to the light um, at the light. We waited for about 30 minutes, um, like laying down on the floor where like the radar or like no one could see us so we were laying down on the floor for like 30 minutes underneath some trees there was definitely some rattlesnakes out there we were on this on the side of uh, arizona at this point and when we heard a car honk we got up and we ran to it um thinking it was our van but it wasn't it was a different van so we had to run all the way back again um and we waited waited and then we heard someone else hunk and then we went to it and that was our guy it was our van um ready to take us to uh, a safe house it's called i believe um in tucson arizona and that's where we arrive um it was not only us it was also two of our friends and, and there was a whole different family too that got picked up a couple minutes later um we were in Tucson, Arizona for about a day and a half. When we arrived there, uh, the people there told us to to go sleep in a RMV that they had in the back, one of those big RVs. Um, 
that had like a bed, bathroom, but he was like, you guys cannot leave that place. So we were there for like a day and a half until my dad paid the paid the money to to kind of say, okay, is this a done deal? Uh, and after that, they drove us from Arizona all the way to Oakland, California. Um, we stopped in LA and I guess that's where I saw like the first glimpse of of America um I remember walking into uh I believe it was a Mickey D's and I really thought it was a VIP I thought I was a like a superstar especially because we were like in LA and that was my first time walking into a Mickey D's um I feel like that was such a high level of food you know like because where i come from is it's a small town there's nothing like that and coming to america and seeing those big signs big lights i was like wow this this much costs a lot of money i mean i was super naive i was 10 didn't know the language and i was just like whoa like i, I want to eat here one day um the guy who who was our driver he took us there he bought us food he bought his burgers and i was just like this is like the best thing um it was an amazing feeling. I can still taste it and remember. Um, from there, we drove to Oakland, California, and then that's where where we saw my dad. and And I remember getting dropped off in a gas station on High Street in Oakland. Uh, we got dropped off there, and then my dad came and picked us up. And then I saw my dad for the first time after probably two years. And I was just like, "We home. We are home now." Um, right after, you know, getting settled, maybe like two weeks later, I started going to school. Um, I, I started going to Allendale Elementary, um, again, near High Street. Uh, shout out if you know, if you know the, the place, the area. Um, so yeah, I went there. I was super scared, um, because I didn't know the language. Um, and definitely was like a new thing to me, you know, going to a school where, most of the people were speaking, you know, English, and I was so scared. Um, from what I from what I remember in my early um, education, I had a lot of headaches because I wanted to learn the language so bad. I didn't want to be um, the person that people looked down upon um, because I wanted to, you know, in my since day one, I knew that my dad had brought us to this country because he felt like that was the best solution and and the best way for him to give us a the best life. So so I took that initiative and I was like I'm going to learn the language as soon as I can, not just for me, but for my whole family because I know that once I learned the language and this is me at 10, no lie. And I said once I learned the language, a lot of doors are going to open for us. Um, so yeah, that happened. I, I want to say like a week, uh, a week, uh, a year, uh, a year and a half, maybe two years. Like I was, I was pretty fluent. I was, I was, I was picking up a lot of language, um, a lot of the English language, um, because, and this is me as an adult, just kind of reflecting on that. I did not hang out with a lot of Latinos or Mexicans, you know, when I was in elementary, I was surrounded by a lot of African-Americans. Um, so again, the, the community showed me a lot of love. Uh, when I was there, they, everybody knew they didn't speak the language, but they 
definitely tried and always pushed me to like pronounce the words like they would always tell me in like letters and, and like symbols like what the word meant so they were always pushing me so so shout out to all those people that that paint the path and help me uh with this with this beautiful language but yeah that was one of the things that i attribute to like i hang out with people outside my culture and that definitely helped me to to learn the language faster um so two years later i passed by i was in middle school uh, and in middle school was was like a culture shock um, because I was a new person, you know, I was a person who speak, uh, who spoke two languages, Spanish and English. Uh, I was a person who, who was navigating life different than my family. Um, they were working all the time and I was, I was kind of just going to school and, and, and learning the American, not just culture, but also like ways of, of just navigating the ins and outs. Um, so that was different. I feel like at that point I started to to detach myself, that not in a negative way from my family, but from what like our values were or like who we were. I could, there was a distance that was created, and again, it wasn't intentional. I feel like it just came with the it just came with the struggle. Uh, it was part of the struggle that I didn't realize that until I was you know an adult that that that's where everything started to disconnect um I had good friends um I had a great friend that when, when I arrived to the states um he was the first person that came to like the apartment complex knock on the door hey and said hey you want to you want to come out and play um uh, he rapidly became my best friend because we went to the same school together um, and we were living in the same um, apartment complex. Um, we were the same. We were at the same age, so we were just kind of like bouncing back and forth. Um, he's just, him and his family are another reason why I feel like I picked up the language so fast because they were always speaking English all the time. So I was always in the mix. Um, so yeah, that was middle school. Um, middle school. That's where I I encounter. Uh, I guess the the first love, um, the first love, um, feeling feeling butterflies in the stomach for for a girl, um, beautiful beautiful girl, beautiful woman, um, who not just lasted in middle school, but when when I transferred to high school, that's where things escalated rapidly. Um, so yeah, my middle school years were were. I feel like this where where I started to find my swag, started to find like my identity and like who I was. Uh, I wasn't a student that was getting in trouble a lot, but um, but I was always in the mix, in the mix. Um, I was so into music, and during this time, when I was in middle school, is when I heard the the rapper Tupac. Um, Tupac was, you know being played everywhere people were talking about him all the time and i was just like i want to know more about this guy so i started to listen about his music and and even though again i wasn't like super fluent with the language i i, I was bobbing to the music and then like repeating the language and the things that were, that he was saying because i just felt this like huge energy of of just like poetry and and words that that make me feel different uh so that was middle school um, middle school was also the place where I also got beat up the first time. I got jumped. Um, I got jumped by like three people. They beat me up on Fruit Bell MacArthur at that pizza place. Um, and, you know, it just beat me up because they thought I was 
just too cool. Like they, they thought I was my swag was was too fly. I mean, that's what I took from it because they never told me what happened, like why they were jumping me. They would just came out of nowhere and um, they kicked me, punched me, threw me in the ground. Um, so that was kind of like my first encounter of like violence in school. Um, then after that, um, I remember that at the time when I was in middle school, eighth grade, my mom and my dad were working a lot. They were working nights, they were working days, they were just, you know, trying to make a living, find a place for us to live. Um, and it, I, I don't remember seeing my parents a lot. Um, towards the last year of middle school, my dad started to get sick. He started to lose like sensitivity in his muscles. Um, he started to not be able to move uh, a lot. Um, and he was uh, working as a janitor in the US. Uh, he was in a nursing. What he was good at was he was a mechanic. He, he became a janitor because that was the, the, you know, the job that he was able to get fast. Uh, my mom also started to work as a janitor and they always worked together. Um, but yeah, he started to get sick. Um, he started to feel like he couldn't move a lot. He, he couldn't use his muscles. So I think he, there was a, a period where he panicked. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm super young. I, it's, I'm in eighth grade and I'm like, what is going on? My dad is sick. Um, my dad ends up leaving to Mexico. Um, and he's the main breadwinner at that point. He, he goes to Mexico because he thinks he's going to be able to get a better like health care because again we are in the u.s undocumented and he's not getting like proper care um so he was like i'm gonna go to mexico and kind of take care of this and then come back that was his whole goal like his whole like agenda was like i'm gonna, I'm gonna do that uh, so we end up staying here with my mom uh, my brother uh, eventually my sister comes to the states too uh, and we end up losing the place that we were living at it was a, it was a nice house we were you know living pretty comfortable but my mom could afford everything so we ended up moving to like an apartment complex then after that we, we couldn't afford it so we ended up moving to another house to a smaller place and then eventually we just end up moving to a basement of a house um, so we were living there at a basement of a house um, shout out to the people that let us live, live there um, but it was our living in the basement because it's like, I think it's, it's, it's super close to being homeless. Like, it's not a home. It's just uh, concrete walls and there was no bathroom. There was no rooms. It was just concrete walls and concrete floor. Um, there was no light. But my mom made the best to make it feel like home. Um, maybe six months later, uh, my mom tells my brother, my sister, and I that she's going to Mexico to to help my dad because he's getting he's getting more sick. Um, during this time, I was so confused because one, I was starting my my freshman year in high school, and we came to the U.S. to be all together, but now we are all kind of just spreading apart. Um, my mom ends up leaving right before I, I sign up for high school. So now I'm I'm gonna go to high school and, and I don't have a, a guardian or like a parent to go sign me up. So during this time again, there was uh, the mom of my girlfriend at the time, my, I wanna say my first love, 
um, she goes to the same, she went to the same high school and we were, I was so confused because I was like, I want to go to school, but I don't have my mom here, but I need someone to sign me up. Well, her mom kind of helped me out. She, uh, whenever I, I needed to sign a paper, I would go up to like the different um, station. I'd be like, oh, my mom's over there and kind of just point at the lady so they can give me the paperwork and I would sign it and bring it right back. But I would do, I would be doing the whole paperwork myself because again, there was like no, no one that was there to sign me up. Like my brother was working, my sister was working and like my brother wasn't of age and my sister was older and she just didn't know the system. So I was literally by myself trying to, to figure this out. Um, I remember getting super excited when, when they told me I was going to go to Fremont High and they gave me my schedule. And during this time, there was like different schools in Fremont. And uh, I was just excited because I was I feel like I was about to start living the like the American high school dream. Um, I started going to school and I started facing so many challenges from the get go. Um, I started facing the challenges of peer pressure. I started facing the challenges of not speaking the, the proper English. I started facing the challenges of not knowing a lot. I feel so behind compared to my peers. Um, I feel like I wasn't enough. Um, and then on top of that, I feel like I didn't have parents that were backing me up. Um, I always felt alone. Um, I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of people that knew me. But I never really had like a group of people that I, that were like my confidence. I was always the people bouncing back and forth from crowd to crowd, um, just trying to fit in a space where I feel like I was me. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen all throughout high school. Uh, again, I was dating. Um, I was dating this girl who who it was a beautiful thing. I mean. Every relationship is a beautiful thing, but um, I feel like we both felt so so attached to each other that that we kind of went went in, into different paths in different ways. That I, I don't regret anything, but maybe at this point I feel like if we would put the pause on that, we probably would be in a better place now, both of us. But shout out to her. I hope she's doing well. Um, so yeah, that was my whole years in high school. Um, I was in ninth grade, then in tenth grade, my mom gives us a call and she's like, "You know what? Your dad is really sick. He's really sick, but we are coming back." Um, again, I'm super confused because now uh, a year and a half has passed that my dad is in, you know, in Mexico. And my mom's over there, and now she's coming back. And and one of the biggest questions I I had and I asked my brother I was like, "How is they coming back? Because he's sick. Now my dad is in a wheelchair. He cannot walk." And my mom was like, we are going to cross the border that way. Uh, and they did. Um, they crossed the border. My dad crossed the border in a, in a wheelchair undocumented. Um, they did it through, through a mall that connects Mexico and the U.S. Um, but they did it. Um, and again, shout out to both of them and shout out to my mom for being the, the person that kind of carry 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 the whole weight you know and, and and continue to push him and i feel like that was a at the time I, I didn't see it but but as an adult i reflect on like what is true love and, and and where does love come from and i feel like that is it like no matter where i go i'm gonna ride with you um and the way that my mom kind of projected that um emotion and, and caring and and being there 
for him, even in, in his last days, was was nothing but pure, pure love. Um, so yeah, so they end up crossing the border. They come to the U.S. and at the time, my, my sister had married someone, and she had moved to like central, the central coast of California. And my brother and I were kind of living by ourselves. Uh, so my mom and my dad end up moving back with us. Uh, and at this point, my dad is in a wheelchair. He can barely talk. He cannot like talk or anything. But that was where I, I made a, a decision to drop out from high school. Um, because it was so much pain in my heart seeing that we, we barely had enough food to eat, um, a place to live. So I decided to drop out and start working at the same company my brother was working at. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of facial hair. So I told people I was 20, 21, 22, but I was only 15 at the time. Um, I passed by it because, again, they, they knew me. And there's ways when you are undocumented that you can do things so people can think you are a different age. Uh, so I ended up dropping out from high school. Um, and all I wanted to do was to help help my family be in a better place. Um, during this time, I was still dating the same girl. I was still doing my thing, and I always wanted to like have the happy family. Um, but my dad kept getting sick and sick. Um, there was a time when my my mom and my dad moved to to live with my sister for a while because she lived in a different in a different you know level of society. Um, and we felt like that was the best place for my dad and my mom to live. Um, during that time in Oakland, uh, I ended up getting shot on 55th and International. I got shot um, right below my knee. Um, it was super painful. Um, and I really thought I, w- I was going to be dead. Um, I was riding a bike on International like around 8 p.m. And, and I saw a guy pull up. Uh, in front of me, roll down the window, take out the gun, and, sh- and you know, they shot me. Uh, it was very painful. And the bullet, of course, the bullet was painful, but the part that I feel it was more painful is not having my family around that time. Uh, my brother showed up, but he was working at the time when, when they told him. And, and I can tell he was very, like, concerned when he showed up to the hospital, but... All I wanted is like my mom and my dad to be there because I like I could have died. Um, I could have died, but I'm still alive for a reason, um, and that reason is to continue to give, to give good energy and good and, and just positive things to life. Um, but I didn't realize that then. I realized that as an adult, um, and I'm still realizing things as I go. But yeah, that was that was around 15, 16 um, when I got shot. And then, you know, my dad and my mom were living in the Central Coast. Um, I was in, like, in depression though for about six months. I couldn't walk, especially because the doctors were like, he's not going to be able to walk. I didn't have insurance, so I wasn't able to have follow-up appointments. It was a hot mess. It was a hot mess. Um, after six months, I was depressed. I was still not going to school. I didn't have a job. I was just like, I'm done with life. Um, by the eighth month, my dad ends up passing away. Um, and this was another blow in my life just because my dad, he was a strong man. He was a strong man that was not around my life a lot. He was definitely when I was young, 
but not after I was 10. I feel like he was in and out, not because he wanted to, but because he was so like caught up on like giving us the best life. Um, so he came to the States and all that stuff happened. So he was, we were never like connected after that age. Um, so he ended up passing away when I was 16. Uh, and that was a big blow because now I don't have like a mentor in my life who's going to coach me. I'm a young man who does not know how to navigate life. It was a lot. Um, and I feel like I put all that to the side and kind of just continue to support my mom because she took it really hard. That was the love of her life. And I feel like our emotions kind of were pushed to the side, not intentionally, but because we wanted to. We wanted to give her all the support that she needed um, because she went through a big, big phase of, of depression as well. Um, so, yeah, so there, there was my story is that uh, I got shot. And then six months later, my dad passed away. Now I'm, I'm in a really dark place in my life where I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to be alive. Like, I was like, why is why is it that God and again conversations about religion was big with my mom because he said she will always tell me if 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 go if God wants he's gonna give you all and you gotta continue to have faith and at this point in my life I started to really doubt faith and religion um, because it was so many negative things happening to us back to back non-stop um, so my dad ended up passing away my mom goes to a depression mode and then I'm like I'm definitely not going back to high school so i just stay away from high school again um i go back to work i work and eventually um my brother gets married after a year has a kid and now it's just me and my mom my mom and i um and at that point i i, I really needed to take ownership of of like our lives because now i'm turning 17 and I feel like I needed to step up my game and, and find a place for us to live and try to make somewhat of a regular life. Um, and he did. He did. I, I started working really hard, had two jobs. We started having our own apartment. But I always felt this void around education. I feel like if I had been given the tools at that time, I would have been a better person. And I was always so mad at myself for not following through with that. Um, Eventually, I tell my mom I want to go back to school and finish high school. Uh, and she was always up for it, right? But that meant that our financial situation was going to be really, really short. Uh, I ended up going back to high school. Um, and I kind of quit working. But my mom was working at the time cleaning banks. She would clean banks from Martinez all the way to Hayward. Um and I was start. I, I was like, I can help you with that. So we started to do it together. Our our schedule for work was crazy. So I would go to high school, and then around 5 p.m. we would start cleaning banks, all the way from Martinez to Hayward, and we would end up cleaning banks all the way to like 4 a.m. 4:30 a.m. I would get home. I would get home, and go to sleep wake up and do it all over again that's start, that started to take like a big toll on me so i ended up dropping out again uh, i ended up dropping out again because i was like there's no way i can i can i can be you know functioning uh with this type of lifestyle um 
So I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to find another job and kind of just make that happen. Um, during this time, we we fall short on cash. So we end up, you know, becoming like homeless and finding places to live with like neighbors, people that my mom knew, uh, just here and there. Um, after that, I was turning probably like almost 18. Maybe I was 18 already. Um, and I was like, I need to find a job where I'm like learning stuff. So I started working at a restaurant as a as a dishwasher. Um, I was there working again, crazy hours. I was working with people who were like twice my age and they were doing crazy stuff. Like there were people doing drugs. There were people doing like a lot of stuff using words that at, at my age, not, not, I was not even introduced to. Um, the way people talk about women, um, especially men. Uh, I was just so confused, but I was there because I wanted to to have a better life. Um, we ended up just, I ended up just being a dishwasher for about a year and then I became a server at that restaurant. And then after that, I was like, I can't do this no more. I need more money and I need to learn. I need to learn. So I applied to become like a front desk person at a hotel. I started working at a hotel and at that point I feel like my vocabulary expanded really fast like I was talking to people that were coming from different parts of the world uh, people that were coming from like different levels in society so I started to use this term called code switch um, I started to talk slang to people that I knew but I started to use the appropriate um, language that you know, people expect you to to have and navigate in, in America. Uh, so I became really good at that. Um, so I became the front desk person. I, I also started working as a valet attendant, like I was parking cars. I was working seven days and making a lot of money. And um, at that point, we were able to to start renting our own our own place with my mom. Um, but I always felt like that wasn't enough. I wanted to do more stuff. I wanted to to start to create um, my own lane. Stay tuned for part two of my story, Poeta Galactico. This has been Noche Galactica.